the podcast where we discuss women from mythology and folklore all over the world. I'm your host, Zoe. And I'm Lizzie. Lizzie, who are we talking about today? Today, we're going into Greek mythology, mm. and we're talking about Hecate. Oh, okay. So, what do you know about Hecate? I know she's the goddess of magic, and maybe something about doorways, but I don't know. And that's really about it. Yeah, that's really about it. Um, I think that there's some, like, triple goddess stuff about her, but, like, I really don't know much about her. Yeah, all correct. So, Hecate was the ancient Greek goddess of magic, witchcraft, crossroads, the night, the moon, ghosts, and necromancy. Awesome. She was the daughter of Perses, who was son oh. of Helios, and the brother of Circe, mm-hmm. and Asteria, a titaness. So, her name means worker from afar from the Greek word ekatos, the masculine form of her name, hekatos, was a common epithet of the god Apollo. Mm. She is often depicted holding torches or a key, and the keys she is depicted with are the keys that unlock the gates between realms. And wearing a knee-length dress and hunting boots, much like the goddess Artemis. Also like Artemis, she is usually described as a virgin goddess. Oh. One of the most well-known accounts of Hecate in Greek canon is in Hesiod's Theogony, where she is said to have the favor of Zeus after siding with him in the war against the Titans. Nice. It states that she has powers that span the heavens, earth, and sea, and that Zeus lets her keep these powers even after the fall of the Titans. This is a great honor, as she was the only one of the Titans allowed to retain such power. Interesting. And also not in line with the chronology of Circe, but that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She bestowed on mortals wealth, victory, wisdom, good luck to sailors and hunters, and prosperity to youth and flocks of cattle, but may just as well take away these blessings if she felt that mortals did not deserve them. So mostly a benevolent goddess, and she would actually bestow things upon mortals. And that's very nice. Yeah. And that sort of works, like, in her duality. Like, she can give you stuff, but she can take it away. So she can, like... Yeah. She's not um, just one thing. Yeah. Yeah, So she was the goddess of crossroads, and shrines of her were often found at crossroads, as well as in the entrances of temples and private homes. She was specifically associated with three-way crossroads, as she was depicted as a triple goddess. Mm. But more on that later. Uh-huh. She was associated with borders, city walls, and doorways, as well as liminal spaces. Ooh. So basically, in between places. Because of this, she was characterized as a liminal goddess. She was between the worlds of the Titans and the Olympians, and between the worlds of the mortals and the divine. That makes sense. So, some sources gave a different origin story. They say that Hecate is the goddess form of Iphigenia, the daughter of Agamemnon, who was sacrificed in order to sail to war. Oh! Yes, it's quite different than the first origin story. 
So Iphigenia was the daughter of Agamemnon and Clytemnestra. One day, Agamemnon was boasting that he was better at hunting than Artemis. You should never do that. No, it's quite stupid to do that uh, for a god. But Agamemnon was a bit stupid, I feel like. Yeah, he definitely was. He was very arrogant, at least. Mm-hmm. And... Classic Greek male. Yeah. <laughs> very, uh, Iliad. So, very. So, Artemis punishes him by not allowing his fleet to move at all, which they were trying to get to Troy to fight in the Trojan War, so it was very vital that they sail. Mm-hmm. But the only way to appease Artemis was to sacrifice one of Agamemnon's daughters, and he decided on Iphigenia. Yeah, and this is really interesting because um, a lot of times in Greek mythology, they, like, really don't like human sacrifice. So yeah. this, is, this is, like, a big... Um, this is a big deal that she's like, you have to sacrifice a human, you have to sacrifice your daughter to me, I think. Yeah, I guess she was very slighted. Mm-hmm. So, Agamemnon arranges for Iphigenia to be given in marriage to Achilles as a reward for his military service. Mm-hmm. And then they were going to slaughter her, or sacrifice her, would be a better word. Mm-hmm. They were going to sacrifice her there. In some versions, Iphigenia doesn't know about the sacrifice until it's too late. But in some versions, notably in Euripides, Iphigenia and Aulis, she goes willingly, wishing to die heroically and be the savior of Greece. I kind of like the that version better. I mean... Yeah, because it's more consciously yeah. done. Like, I'd rather she at least knew what was going to happen if she had to die. Yeah. And then it's, like, also interesting the... um difference between what it means to be a female hero versus like a male hero in greek mythology yeah like the idea like being sacrificed is very is very passive and that's what it takes for her to be the savior of greece whereas like for all the male heroes they like go out into battle and they like kill a bunch of people and fight a bunch heroic deeds whereas iphigenia just has to be sacrificed Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and then, like, eventually the heroes might die, but it's, like, it's what they do before they die that's the most significant, generally. Yes. Very interesting. <sighs> Greece. Yeah. <laughs> Greece. Yeah, so in some versions, Iphigenia is sacrificed successfully, and then everything is is fine. But in other versions, Artemis appears and snatches her away and leaves a deer behind to sacrifice instead. Oh. Artemis either makes her a priestess or makes her immortal. Mm-hmm. And her goddess form is Hecate. That's interesting. And that's really interesting because that's super similar to the story of Abraham and Isaac. Because that's um, God commands Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. And Abraham's like really sad about it. But he's like, okay, I have to do it because it's what God's telling me to do. So he takes him up to the mountain, he's about to do it, and then God's like, wait, stop, you don't have to kill your son, and then sends a ram caught in the bushes to be the sacrifice instead. So that's just, that's really interesting. That's, like, almost the exact same story. Yeah, like, it's about the intent, Mm -hmm. what you would do for the gods, rather than actually doing the deed. Exactly, yeah. So, unfortunately, we don't know much more about this version of the myth, since most of the original texts are lost. Mm. But it is interesting how much it clashes with the Theogony origin story, especially Mm -hmm. timeline-wise. 
because the Trojan War was long after the war against the Titans. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Yeah. It's really cool that she became the god. Like, it seems like... Sh- I always like um, sort of when goddess, like, mortal woman, something bad's about to happen to them, but then they end up becoming, like, far more powerful. Like, yeah. Hecate is a super powerful goddess, and so, like... With uh, heaven-spanning powers and yeah. everything. And so, um, Iphigenia was, like, gonna be just cast aside and sacrificed by her father, but now, like, she's with Artemis, and she's literally, like, one of the most powerful, like, minor goddesses. Yeah, she gets to be powerful and immortal. Yeah. So, among her powers are necromancy. Mm. So, necromancy was the summoning of ghosts from the underworld. And whenever you wanted to practice necromancy, you needed to call upon Hecate. And this was illustrated by the Cumian Sibyl, who was an oracle who guided Aeneas through the underworld, who called mm. upon Hecate before practicing necromancy, and the seer Tiresias oh, yeah. as well, when he practiced necromancy. They all call upon Hecate. So another account of Hecate is that she was the daughter of Perseus and granddaughter of Helios, the son. She surpassed both of them in boldness and cruelty. Oh. Yes. Which is interesting. Yeah. It's and, definitely uh, saying she... something. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And she was also fond of hunting, and when she had no luck, she would turn her arrows upon human beings instead of the beasts. Ooh. Ouch. So she was highly cruel in this version. Mm-hmm. She also mixed together poisons and tested them on people by mixing them with their food. One of the mm. people she poisoned was her own father, who she then succeeded on the throne. Oh, nice. She then founded a temple of Artemis for the express purpose of sacrificing people there. Oh. Well, it's interesting that she's a goddess founding a temple to another goddess. It is, for sure. But then also it just seems like it's a front to kill people. So. To, to, to slaughter people, yeah. So maybe it's just not really all that deep. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it is a bit odd. She could just build a temple for herself and sacrifice yeah. people there. Th- I mean, that but... would make a lot of sense. She could be like, sacrifice to me. like. Yeah, that... so I don't know quite what yeah. that's about, but sure. Yeah. So this also involves her marrying Aedes, her oh. uncle, and ah. bearing two daughters. Any idea who the daughters are? Well, one of them has to be Medea. Yes. And, and the other one? I, I don't know who the other one is. Circe. Oh. Yes. That's different. <laughs> it's very different. So it is also said that Aedes, partially because of his own cruelty and partially under the influence of Hecate, approved of the custom of killing strangers. Over time, Medea opposed this practice and escaped. Mm-hmm. And so in this story, is Aetes also a sorcerer, or is he just, like, a, a cruel guy that Hecate married? I was not clear on that when I was reading this. <laughs> uh, possibly. Okay. Yeah. It seems but... like if it's it's the story's the same that he was Percy's... Uh, brother then they probably he probably still was a sorcerer so oh yeah true probably 
Um, yeah, so Hecate is the source of Medea's powers. In the, re- the version I just told, it's because she's her mother and teaches her about magic. Mm-hmm. But in other versions, Medea calls upon Hecate when she casts spells. Mm-hmm. Quote from Euripides Medea, By the goddess I worship most of all my chosen helper Hecate, who dwells in the inner chamber of my house. Ah. Similarly, in the version where Hecate is Circe's mother, it says that Circe learned a lot about various drugs and herbs from her mother mm-hmm. and also discovered many on her own. In other mm-hmm. versions, like Ovid's Metamorphoses, she calls upon Hecate when she does her own spells. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting because that's not in um, Madeline Miller's Circe at all. I know, great um, book. <laughs> which, like, I'm sure is a conscious choice on Madeline Miller's part. So yeah, like to not well, have her mention another goddess, which I think is interesting. And now I'm wondering why she chose to exclude that. But I feel like it's very on theme of like Cersei coming into her power. And yeah, mm-hmm. not having somebody else give her the power. Yeah, definitely. That's my read. That makes sense. Yeah. It would have been fun if they were friends and she came to the island. But... Yeah, but then that would take away from the whole theme of loneliness, you know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so throughout the episode, you'll have heard Artemis mentioned several times. Mm-hmm. So then it's not really surprising to learn that Hecate has often been associated with Artemis. Mm-hmm. The two were depicted similarly in art, and it's possible that early on, Hecate was just one aspect of Artemis before her adoption into the Olympian pantheon. In addition to that, Hecate was often depicted or referred to as a triple goddess. Mm. The archetype of the triple goddess was popularized by Robert Graves in the 20th century. It's viewed as a triunity of three distinct aspects of one being. A common view of this archetype is the one which involves the triad consisting of a maiden, a mother, and a crone, uh-huh. which represents the stages of the female life cycle. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> The most clear example of this is the Fates in Greek mythology, who would typically consist of a young girl, an older woman, and an elderly woman, representing birth, active life, and death. Okay. I did not know that. Hecate was associated with the triad of herself, Artemis, and Selene, the goddess of the moon. Really? Yes. I did not know that was uh, the triple goddess thing happening here. Yeah. And because Selene was the goddess of the moon, and then Artemis was also associated with the moon and Hecate was associated with the new moon mm. so there are, were ancient Greek and Roman writings which describe rituals done under the new moon like how people would go towards images of Hecate placed at crossroads during the new moon and then corpses of people who committed certain crimes would be thrown into the crossroads and stoned or burned whoa Okay. Yeah, I guess, like, purifying them of their Mm. crimes or whatever. Okay, yeah. So their triple form represents the faces of the moon, with the new moon being Hecate. Mm -hmm. As three aspects of the moon goddess, Selene represents heaven, Artemis represents earth, and Hecate represents the underworld. They may also, similar to the fates, represent birth, growth, and death, with Artemis being growth and Hecate being death. Nice. So Hecate also had some sacred animals. First, there was the dog. So the baying of dogs heralded the flight of Hecate to the underworld. 
and she was referred to in the Dionysiaca as a divine friend of dogs and a night-wandering nurse of puppies. That's so cute. Yeah, I find I found that really fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. And people sacrifice dogs to her. Oh, well, that's less cute. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> Actually, something I came across in my reading, there was this cult. They were called, I think, the Blackburn Cult, and they worshipped Hecate, mm-hmm. and they sacrificed dogs. Oh, wait, is this during ancient Greece or later? No, this was like in the 1930s or something. Oh, wow. Wow, that sure was a choice of them. Do you know, was it like in America or England or? It was in America. <sighs> oh, yeah, it makes Classic sense. Cult. There was like, yeah, spiritualism it was on the rise again in the 1930s. So, was probably, it? Yeah, so they probably got it like really into Hecate and were like, let's worship her. And, I think yeah. the cult didn't just revolve around Hecate, but. That yeah. was a feature of the cult. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. her mm-hmm. other sacred animal was the weasel, or oh. polecat. That's fun. So she was known to transform people into weasels, notably Galinthias, who was the daughter of Electrion and friend of Alcmene, the mother of Heracles. So Galinthias lied to Zeus about the birth of Heracles to try to save Alcmene from the pain of childbirth. And thus was punished for deceiving the gods. Ah. So Hecate turned her into a deceitful weasel, making her live in crannies and giving her a grotesque way of mating. She was mounted through the ears and gives birth by bringing forth her young through the throat. Oh no! Yeah, so that's pretty disturbing. Yeah. Horrible punishment. Ow. And she also turned a witch named Gale into a weasel as well. Uh-huh. So Gail was described as extremely incontinent <laughs> and having abnormal sexual desires. So as punishment, she was turned into an evil little weasel. Wait, 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 wait. So the incontinence was before she was a weasel? Yep. Oh, no. <laughs> wait, so she, oh, was no. Just, she was just incontinent and Hecate was I like... Oh, quite the struggle to already. To the weasel. Well, maybe she was less incontinent as a weasel. Maybe it was. Maybe it was an improvement. Yeah, maybe in that sense. (laughs) (sighs) But anyway, so she would make people into weasels when she was mad at them. Wow. I didn't know weasels were, like, in existence in Greece. I'm going to have to, like, look into that. Yeah, it seems more of a modern animal. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's like seeing a dog in, like, a period movie. It's like, that looks uh, off- there Mm -hmm. yeah anyway so hecate wasn't really the star of any greek myths as far as i can tell but she did appear in the stories of other people Mm -hmm. Uh, for example there was queen hecuba of troy after the fall of troy odysseus took hecuba as his captive during Mm. the voyage back to greece she murdered a thracian king and was stoned by the locals the gods then transformed her into a black dog, and she became Hecate's animal familiar. Oh, well, that's kind of nice, actually. Yeah, it's like, a better life than being a captive. Definitely. To be a cool witch's familiar. Yeah, I mean, that's, like, I mean, obviously, like, the being captive in stone part wasn't good, but, like, then she got transformed into a dog. Now she's just, yeah. she's, like, protected by Dogs Hecate. Dogs are happy. 
Yeah, it's interesting that, like, she's sort of saving all these women who get, like, totally abused during the Trojan War and, like, the Iliad. Mm. She has to come for for Aziz now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be great. She also appears in the story of the kidnapping of Persephone. Oh. So, while Hades kidnapped Persephone, Hecate was the only witness hearing Persephone's screams from her cave. No. Demeter, Persephone's mother, wandered the earth for nine days without eating or drinking, looking for Persephone. Mm-hmm. On the tenth day, Hecate appeared with torches in her hands and told Demeter that she heard Persephone's voice but didn't see who it was who kidnapped her. So the two went to Helios together because he was the watchman of both gods and men and inquired of him what happened. <laughs> and after Persephone is released from the underworld, Hecate becomes her close companion accompanying oh. her in her yearly journeys to and from the underworld. Gotcha. And that makes sense because of, like, her, you know, door- goddess of doorways aspects. You know, she yeah. can... One of the few gods who can travel freely in and out of the underworld. Yeah, exactly. So it's pretty nice that she would accompany Persephone. Yeah, be Persephone's lady friend. Yeah. <laughs> so, she also appears in Macbeth by William Shakespeare, ah, which yeah. I'm sure that you've read. Yes. Do you remember that part? I do, a little. I remember her being mentioned. Yeah, so she's the ruler of the three witches who appear to give a prophecy to Macbeth. Mm-hmm. And in Act 3, Scene 5, Hecate herself appears and speaks to the three witches and admonishes them for giving Macbeth his prophecy. Right. She delivers the line, and you all know security is mortal's chiefest enemy. So about uh, Macbeth's overconfidence in his destiny, bringing about his downfall. Right, yeah. However, Mm -hmm. it's possible that Hecate's passage was actually added later by Thomas Middleton, not by Shakespeare himself. Right, yeah. I I do remember reading about that in, like, our little um, high school copies. We, um... There was, like, a little section at the top of the page of, like, that scene being like, we actually don't know if this was added later or not kind of weird yeah mm-hmm. so that's interesting mm-hmm. and hecate is also mentioned in a midsummer night's dream act five scene one and in king lear act one scene one but those are more like in passing mm-hmm. yeah she may also have been associated with scylla Ooh. so scylla was a nymph who was turned into a sea monster by the goddess circe mm-hmm Hecate was associated with dogs, and Scylla was often depicted as having a female upper part with a long fishtail and two or more dog foreparts projecting beneath in place of legs. Wow. Because of this common association with dog imagery, it's easy to see how depictions of them could overlap. Mm-hmm. And Hecate was associated with the underworld, and Scylla may have been as well. She was associated with funerary monuments, including Etruscan urns and sarcophagi. Huh. That's interesting. And she may also have represented triumph over death. Hmm. So, also, another name for Hecate was Skilkayetis, which meant leader of the dogs, which was associated with Scylla as well, because Scylla's name in ancient Greek was Scylla. So Mm -hmm. Scylla, Skilkayetis, they sound pretty similar. Yeah, they do. Yes. And uh, there are also accounts that say that Hecate is Scylla's mother. Hmm. 
that's not really as common in Hecate's story because she's mostly depicted as a virgin goddess. Right, yeah. But there are some accounts in Scylla's story that say that her mother is Hecate. Mm -hmm. So, the origins of Hecate's name may actually have been pre-Greek. Ah. It's possible that her name came from ancient Egypt, where there was a goddess of fertility and childbirth called Hecate, who, like Hecate, was also associated with magic. Really? And there is also a possibility that Hecate may have originated in Anatolia, mm. because there were regions where there were many monuments to her, and there are reasons to believe that Hecate was a foreign goddess, such as the fact that her origins vary widely across stories, and the fact that there was already goddesses who served her purposes, notably Artemis and Selene within the Greek pantheon, so it's possible that she was just adapted into it later on. Interesting. And it's also possible that the modern English words hag and hex may have come from Hecate. Oh, that's fun. According to lexicographers from the 17th to the 19th century, but it's unclear. Okay. I will mention that the Oxford English Dictionary has no mention of this, and that's like the most comprehensive etymological source in the English language. So it's possible that that's not actually true. Mm -hmm. But if it is, then that's awesome. Mm -hmm. It's also possible that the word jinx may have come from Hecate. Really? So Hecate had some sort of object associated with her cult called a yunx, which was described as a bull roarer with a golden sphere decorated with symbols and whirled on an oxide thong. And yunx became jinx. Okay. So the Oxford English Dictionary actually does corroborate this etymology. However, I only really found one source that associates a yunx with Hecate, mm -hmm. and any other mention of this I found seemed to stem just from that one source, so it's hard to say for sure. Gotcha, okay. And while I was doing etymological research, I also found that the word Hecate was also used as an insult for women. Oh, that's Meaning fun. hag or witch. I think it's very fun. Mm -hmm. It was even used in Shakespeare in 1616 and Henry VI. I spoke not to that railing Hecate. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it's quite fun. And in Tobias Smollett's Ferdinand Count Fathom in 1753, this declaration had its effect upon the withered Hecate. Yeah, it's pretty solid. I think it's quite a fun insult. Yeah. Kind of shame it's gone down in use. Mm -hmm. Bring it back. Reclaim it. Exactly. Yeah, we're going to reclaim it. Yeah, sounds good. Also, in modern times, Hecate is very influential in modern witchcraft, Wicca, and neo-paganism. Mm, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, before we get further into our analyses, what are your overall thoughts on Hecate? Um, I, well, I think she's really interesting. Didn't know a lot about her. I think she's kind of like a feyish goddess in a way. Yeah. Like a lot of the stuff she's associated with are kind of also associated with like fairies and fey stuff. Yeah. Like um, obviously magic, um, crossroads, liminal spaces. Like helping people out. Yeah. Helping people, but also being kind of fickle and like, yeah. you know, expecting like things in return. That's just something that interests me. I'm into really into fey mythology. So I thought that was really cool. I also think that it's really interesting that even though she wasn't, like, super prom, like, not really featured in a lot of stories, she's had such, like, a big cultural lasting impact, mm -hmm. like, being mentioned in those Shakespeare plays and um, being used, like, being the source of a lot of words 
and then mm-hmm. now being possibly yeah um being used as like a chief goddess that's being worshipped nowadays yeah and it's interesting that she's lasted so much because there are like plenty of like minor gods and goddesses in ancient greece that have just like really faded into obscurity um but like even though she doesn't have that much like material to work with from her like her own mythology and stories like she's really lasted and like developed still has like a really strong like like culture surrounding her to this day yeah and i think it's interesting how it's clear that she had very grand and far-reaching powers, mm-hmm. but it seems like she wasn't as big of a deal yeah. in ancient times as, for example, Athena, who also had grand, far-reaching powers. Mm-hmm. But uh, like just judge- judging by the myths, but we can't know exactly how influential she was within the daily life of ancient Greeks, but that's just kind of how it seems from myths, because she was often more of a side character in those yeah but yeah and that's like also it feels like you know she's very much like present in like people's everyday lives in a way like yeah um if she was you know associated with like things that were really just around a lot like roads doors walls and like a lot of things that like seem to invoke like protection Mm -hmm. um so she's like kind of like a protection goddess yeah definitely and and so, like, it seems like she was really, um, even though she wasn't, like, having giant temple, like, grand temples being built about her and having, like, huge, like, groups of, like, priests, you know, sacrificing to her all the time, she was, like, really common in, like, um, everyday household worship and, like, like prayer and, sac- like, you know, like, maybe, like, leaving little offerings out for her and stuff, um, which is also similar to fairy stuff, but anyways. Um, oh, yeah, because, <laughs> yeah, you know, you leave, like little bread out for the fairies and they'll clean your house or whatever so i think that's probably maybe one of the reasons why she was able to have a lasting influence even though she wasn't like featured as much in like the stories and mythology because she was more featured in people she's more important to the everyday lives rather than you know these huge things that eventually like faded over time yeah definitely i will say that her influence in neo-paganism seems to be more of a like revival of her rather than something that's continued on okay but yeah it is interesting yeah and i think that also does make sense because like she's the goddess of magic so and like you said people get their magic from her in mythology so if you're going to yeah i think it's i think it's fun how she's like the queen witch of Mm -hmm. all the witches yeah like everyone like calls upon her for their own magic Mm -hmm. even cersei yeah and so, like, if you're bef- performing spells nowadays, like, yeah, you're going to call on Hecate to um, help you with that. And so it mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. I also think she's a very dual and complex nature, like you've mentioned, mm-hmm. which is reflected in her triple form as well. Mm-hmm. And the theory that she's not originally Greek makes sense. Mm-hmm. Also because it's like she was associated with Artemis, Apollo, Scylla, Selene, Iphigenia, and Persephone. Like we were mentioning, she doesn't have very many stories in her own right. Mm-hmm. And I find it interesting that she's associated with in-between places and liminal spaces. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that this applied to basically any in-between place you can think of. The underworld and the living world, the entrance to a home, a crossroads, the mortal and divine realms, the border between cities, etc. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that might show, like, there's just a really strong, at that time, there was just, like, a really strong sense of insecurity in everyday life. 
Um, if there's like such a big separation from like the home versus outside your home, I feel like there's must have been like a lot of fears about like outsiders and those outside your city and outside your direct home. Probably, yeah. And like that having such like a clear distinction, like that you have like a goddess that represents like the space between these, I think means that like the separation between like inside your house and outside your house and inside your city and outside your city. And obviously, of course, between the living world and the underworld was like Mm -hmm. a big deal and something that like really affected people's thoughts. Yeah, like crossing into like a place where you were safe to a place where it was more ambiguous. Yeah. And she was even associated specifically with the new moon, mm-hmm. which is the first phase of the moon, and so could be seen as in the between phase of the moon, possibly, maybe. Mm-hmm. And the new moon is also often the start of a new month, for example, in the Chinese and Jewish calendars. Right, yeah. The new moon also has significance in astrology, where it symbolizes inviting change into your life, and it's a vulnerable time of not knowing what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That also makes it seem like it's an in-between stage in the astrological cycle, so it's all connected. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it's, she's super cool. Yeah, I really, really like her. I didn't know too much about her before I started researching her, and now I think she's very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, like, always heard of her, and I was always like, that's super cool, like, goddess of magic. Like, that's really neat. Like, why don't we talk more about her? So now I'm glad that Yeah, I, like, like, she's a bit more unknown, I feel like, compared to a bunch of other Greek figures. Definitely, yeah. Even though she was very important, mm-hmm. and still is. Yeah. Bit, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to our episode. Um, make sure to subscribe, and also leave a review if you so desire. And we'll be back here next week with another episode. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Bye. Mytholadies podcast is produced by Elizabeth LaCroix and Zoe Kenninger. Today's episode was researched and presented by Elizabeth LaCroix. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Mytholadies and visit us on our website at mytholadies.com. Our cover art is by Helena Caillot. Our music was written and performed by Icarus Tyree. Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs>